Welcome to the Love First Podcast, where we are committed to biblical teaching and sharing the principles and the promises of living out our faith according to what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments, loving God with our whole being and loving others as ourselves. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to help build your faith and deepen your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Welcome to our final message in the three-part series, Becoming a Difference Maker, where we have been studying the life of Gideon, a man who was a frightened nobody that God called a mighty warrior. God took this scared farmer who was hiding from the Midianites and turned him into a great leader who would lead his country to victory against the Midianites. In a very short time, Gideon went from being a zero to a hero. Now that's what I call making a difference. The last few weeks we've been looking at life lessons we learned from Gideon as to how God wants each one of us to be difference makers somewhere in our circle of influence. I believe we are called to be a difference maker in some kind of capacity. I think we all should be difference makers in our family, in our job or in our school or organizations that we're a part of, and in our church. And some of you may even be called to make a difference in the community or even the world. But all of us are called to make a difference somewhere. The problem is that for so many of us, it's not that we don't know how to be the difference maker. Oh, I know we might not know everything there is to know about making a difference in each of these areas that we mentioned, but I think we all know at least how to get started. We know some of what it takes. See, that's not the problem. The problem is that we either have too much fear to actually begin making a difference, or perhaps we're too lazy or self-focused to make a difference. And that is where we have been focusing this series. It's not so much about the knowledge that we need. I mean, Gideon didn't have the knowledge. God was going to show him what to do. Gideon lacked the motivation and the strength to carry out what God wanted him to do. Oh, isn't he so much like many of us today? How many of you could see yourself in Gideon the last few weeks? I know I sure could. Well, in the first week of this series, we learned that it not only is okay to be afraid and, and think we have no leadership skills, because quite often, those are the very ones that God calls. We also discussed that God sees us for what we can be, not for what we think we are. And I still love that point. So many of us, myself included, talk ourselves out of something talk ourselves out of making a difference because we fail to see ourselves the same way that God sees us. And we saw through looking at the life of Gideon that God has already given us the strength and everything else we need to make a difference in our family, our community, our church, or, or even the world, even if we don't feel like we have what it takes. All we have to do is take that first step then God provides the strength and leadership for the second step, and so on. 
Well, we talked about the fact that when we are submitted to following God, there will be obstacles arise, but that those obstacles will seem small in comparison to the strength of Christ. As long as we keep our focus on God and, and His work, and not on the obstacles or the trials that are in front of us, we will succeed in what God has planned. Remember, God never fails. And then we realize that difference makers must get rid of everything that replaces God in their lives. If we truly want to make a difference, we must throw off those things that entangle us and slow us down from becoming what God wants us to become. That was the first week. Then last week we discussed that when we see God work in our lives and work all around us, that our fears begin to fade away. The Gideon we saw last week, and, and even more so we'll see this week, is a completely, a completely different Gideon than we saw in week one. His fear has all but vanished now, and now he is a confident leader. Not because of anything he did, but because he saw God work. And we learned last week that the difference makers cannot stay anonymous. They become leaders. Gideon never wanted to be a great leader. He was content to stay anonymous. But here's the thing. The more difference you make in whatever area you are making a difference in, the more you are not hidden any longer in the shadows. It's an impossibility. Quite simply, if, if no one knows you are making a difference, then you're truly not making a difference. Just think on that thought for a minute. And finally, last week, we ended up on the fact that difference makers are cautious. They don't rush foolheartedly into something. Instead, they spend time praying about it. So today, let's start by reading Judges chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, to see how Gideon defeats the Midianites. So Jerubbaal, that's Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave the mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. All right, let's stop there for a minute. 32,000 men agreed to stand with Gideon when he went into battle against the Midianites. You see, when, when you start doing something that's of God, there might be many people who get excited about what they see and will say they want to be a part of it. After all, who wouldn't want to be a part of something new and exciting, especially when God is involved? You know, we have seen this played out over and over in the last century when it comes to churches. A church somewhere is experiencing something fantastic and people flock from all over the country to experience whatever is going on there, and they get all excited about it. And oftentimes, churches send delegates to, to visit that church to witness firsthand what's, what's happening uh, with the idea that 
they're going to bring that back to, to their church in hopes of duplicating what's happening over there in their church. Because exciting things draw people to it. How many times do young people go to a youth retreat or a youth conference and they get all fired up about serving God? And to be honest, I think that most of them really, really do mean it. I mean, I remember once when I was a youth pastor of a church, we took our youth group to a conference in Houston on a Friday night and all day Saturday. I know that lives were touched and changed during that conference. It was real. And we got back very late Saturday night. Actually, it was very early Sunday morning as it was well after midnight. And I was amazed at the very high percentage of our high school kids that were part of that conference was in church Sunday morning, still glowing from their special time that they had with God over the weekend. And, and when I gave them the opportunity to share with the church that morning what God spoke to them about that weekend, there was not a dry eye in the house. They experienced something real. Now those are good times and there's nothing wrong with those times. God uses them and lives truly are changed. However, not everyone that goes and visits these churches across the country comes back changed forever. Not every young person that goes on a retreat or a conference stays committed to God. Some do. Some don't. You see, God knew this with the 32,000 men that had joined Gideon. He knew that many would fall away, perhaps even run, once they were engaged in battle. And my, may I be so blunt as to say that some of you listening to this are feeling the challenge of making a difference. You want to be part of what God is doing. You want to join the battle. But some of you will not see it through. Despite your good intentions, despite the motivations to make a difference, despite your understanding that your family and your church need you to step up and make a difference, some of you are going to fall short. It's just the nature of the way things work. Some of you will be like the 22,000 men who, when asked if they were afraid and answered yes, will walk away from the call to make a difference. Now, last week we talked about the need for more people to, to decide to make a difference in their church, to step up and volunteer to teach, to work in the nursery, help out with kids or the teenagers or, or be part of a small group, to do something to help further the kingdom of God through the ministry of the church. Most churches already have their Gideon in place, those who are leading in those ministries. But what about the warriors that, that we, like Gideon did, need in order to make a difference? Now, I'm going to guess that just as it was with Gideon, two-thirds of you who are not already seriously involved will agree that we need more, but we'll walk away from the battle anyway. But one-third of you will stay on and want to make a difference. You see, Gideon was left with 10,000 warriors who were not just caught up in the emotion of making a difference, but truly wanted to make that difference.
All right, let's continue reading in verse 4 now. But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. Oh, now wait a minute, God. You just whittled my army down from 32,000 men to 10,000. I don't see any way that even with 10,000 warriors, we have a chance of defeating the Midianites. God, only one-third of your people in the church will want to make a difference. We are a small church to begin with. We want to see our Sunday school teachers get a break and, and not teach week after week, year after year. We want to have more help in the children's programs. We need help in the nursery so that some of our nursery workers can actually go to church and do it more regularly. We need more help in the children's and the youth ministry so that it can truly make a difference, not just in our kids' lives, but to become an outreach to kids in our community. We want more of our people to get involved in small groups where true fellowship and a sense of community starts to take place, where true discipleship happens when Christians start going through life together. Yet, God, are you saying that we are not even going to have one-third of the people step up to the plate? And the answer might very well be yes. And here's what I think is exciting, and, and perhaps even a challenge for the church. You know, I know the heart behind so many of the people in the church, and I know the heart of the leadership of most churches. And above all, you want to honor God with your lives and in your church. You are people who do not seek after the praise of man. In fact, oftentimes you operate and do things to make sure that there's no glory given to man. If something good happens... It's all to the glory of God. Because you are a church who wants to see members uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And we see in the passage that we just read that those thoughts fit right into what God told Gideon in verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. You see, above all, God wants the glory of everything done through the church. And your church is ready right now for that to happen. You may not have the large numbers to do everything that you need to do. You already seem to be stretched thin so, in so many areas and, and it seems impossible, just like it did with Gideon, for those numbers to actually make a difference in the community. But I'm here to tell you right now that you can do it. No, you might not have the manpower and you don't have the resources and in many cases you don't have the experience to step up and step out and see not only the ministries that you currently have going begin to flourish even more, but also new ones that will be uh, strengthened and, and not just as part of the local church, but the kingdom of God will be strengthened as well. You might have all those things, but as we see in the story of Gideon, God doesn't need all the resources and experiences. 
In fact, in this story, he doesn't even want it. If the church has too many experts and too many resources, then it is very easy for people to talk about how great the church is or what great things the church is doing. I've been a part of churches that like that, to talk about how great the church is, how great the ministries of the church is, what the church is doing here, what the church is doing there. But God wants people to look at what is, what is happening and say, what a great God we have. God is doing amazing things. Do you see the difference? It's not the church that people look at. It's the God of the church that they see. That's what God wants. All right, let's continue reading verse 5, and we'll see exactly the kind of people that God is going to use to help make a difference. And if you are already a difference maker, if you are already heading up some kind of ministry, these are the kinds of people who you need to be praying for and, and hoping to partner with you in the ministry. Elders, pastors, board members, these are the kind of people that you should be praying for to step up and become difference makers. Let's look at verse 5 to see what kind of people these are. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the rest home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. Difference makers take action more than they speak words. The church today, and I'm not talking about the church being a building or even a local gathering, but the church today, the Christians of today, are very good at speaking words. We hear a sermon, something happens, we get motivated to step up and do something. And sometimes that's enough to motivate us to get started on something. But then we quickly fall away from it. It becomes too much for us to do on our own. We get too busy doing life that we can't keep up with doing what God wants us to do. Sometimes we have good intentions, but we can't keep up with doing what, what God wants us to do with just intentions. Because we keep putting it off and, and we never get around to doing it. We never get around to talking to someone about getting more involved. We are like the soldiers of Gideon that drink their water with their mouth in the river. We are only mouth. We talk like we want to make a difference. We say all the right words. We say we want to get more involved. And I'm glad we say that. That's a good thing. Remember, Gideon took 10,000 men down to the river. These were 10,000 who were committed. They stayed when 22,000 left. These were the good guys. These were like most of you. And when they drank from the river, they knelt down and drank straight from the river. 
They used their mouth. You see, we talk the good talk, and I believe we even mean it. These guys did. But God told Gideon to focus on the 300 who did not drink straight with their mouths, but those who drank with their hands. You see what I'm getting at here? It's one thing to use your mouth to claim that you want to make a difference, to talk about making a difference. But it is entirely something else to use your hands. True different makers don't just talk. They get up and do something. They use their hands. They go to work. As much as you might want to make a difference, you will not do it until you get off your seat and put your hands to work. Let's stop using our mouth and start using our hands. Then, and only then, will we start making a difference. All right, let's pick up the story in the second half of verse 8. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, Get up and go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. Oh, this is a powerful truth here that is going to set some of you free to go out and, and become the difference maker in your workplace or your school or, or any other place you might be. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. How many of you know, and I mean truly realize and understand, that the enemy is never above us and is not even ever on equal ground with us? When we are on God's side, when we are making a difference for the kingdom of God, the enemy, whether it be our co-workers, our bosses, our teachers, our fellow students, uh, the media, the public, even our friends, or yes, even ourselves, that enemy is always below us. If we could just fully embrace this truth in, in every area of our life, then nothing no enemy will stand in our way for making a difference. It is said that in any battle that the army or even the persons uh, in a one-on-one -on -one battle who attains the high ground has a distinct advantage in the battle. People, we always have that high ground when we are furthering the kingdom of God, when we are making a difference. Always, no exceptions. We have the high ground. So when it feels like the enemy has the upper hand and you feel discouraged, let me urge you to change your perspective. The enemy, no matter how powerful it might seem, is always below you. Use your advantage. Use your position in Christ to fight the enemy. So how do we keep the higher ground? Let's keep, start, keep going and look at verse 11. So Gideon told Purah, and, and they went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up 
just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dreams a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midian camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, Your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joshas, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. Now see, there is a fundamental truth that we all know, but so often in life, oh, we forget it. That is that God gives the victory even before the battle is fought. Gideon realized that as he snuck behind the enemy lines and, and he overheard this conversation, that it assured him that God was going to give the victory over the Midianites. It doesn't matter what battle we're fighting in life. It might be a financial problem or a health problem or a national problem or a worldwide problem. It might be a relationship problem. It might be discouragement that you are facing when you are truly trying to do the right thing and make a difference in your family, your workplace, or your school, church, community, or your world. It doesn't really matter what the battle is. God has already given us the victory. But why does it not always feel like we are being victorious? In fact, sometimes it feels like we're not only losing, but we are being demolished in our battle. Maybe our financial situation is steadily growing worse, or our health or the health of a loved one continues to decline. Our, our kids are still living away from walking with God. By all appearances, we're losing the battle. God has already given you the victory, though. We just don't feel it or, we, or see it. Even though our theology says God's going to win, we just don't feel that way. Well, before Gideon overheard the Midianites' men talking in their camp that night, he wasn't feeling it either. He was still reeling from the hit the army took, going from 32,000 men to 300 in one day. I know he had doubts, but he did continue anyway. And when he overheard the news that even the enemy knew that God was going to deliver his people, it changed everything about Gideon's perspective. No, he didn't yet know how God was going to win the battle, but he knew that he would. You see, we might not know how God's going to win the battles that we're facing, but just like Gideon changed the perspective when he overheard the enemy, we need to change our perspective and continue going forward in our battle because we know, despite the odds, despite the deck being stacked against us, God is going to come out victorious. Now hear me carefully because I chose these words specifically so that there will not be any misunderstanding. God is going to come out victorious. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be healed from our physical ailments or that our children will come back to the Lord or anything like that. But it is a challenge to continue to per persevere because when we do, God is glorified. And it might mean that even though our problems are never solved, He is glorified and that we do make a difference because we prove that His grace is sufficient for us.
despite our circumstances. And that is true even if our battle ends in our death. See, Gideon had no idea going into this battle if he would survive or not. He only knew that God was going to get the victory. And that belief excited him and motivated him. Not only him, but it also motivated the 300 who stood with him. Let's continue on verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretations, he bowed and worshipped before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you the victory over the Midian, Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into the three groups and gave each man, man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come out to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horn, blow your horns also, or two, all around the entire camp and shouted and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. I want to just keep reading this account of the battle, but I really need to stop and make a quick point here. Gideon commanded his men to keep his eyes on him and do exactly what he does. Here we see a confidence glowing from inside Gideon, not because of anything he had done, but because he had been seen firsthand that God was about to deliver his people. But he also knew that the 300 men had not witnessed what he had just overheard in the enemy camp, and they needed to trust what he was about to tell them. You see, great leaders, difference makers, cause people to catch the vision. They want to follow them. Gideon's men were to keep their eyes on him, to follow exactly what he does. And that's the mark of a difference maker. Others will keep their eyes on a difference maker because they trust them. Now, there does come a challenge there. As a difference maker, we will have eyes watching us all the time. It would be nice to say that those eyes would not only be looking at how to follow us, but the truth of the matter is that there will be just as many eyes watching us, looking for our faults, searching for something that they can use against us, or at least rationalize to themselves why difference makers are not anything special and why they don't have to do anything to really make a difference in the world. So as difference makers, we must be extra careful not to give those negative eyes any ammunition to come against what we are doing. All right, let's get back to our text and read verse 19. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with, with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke the jars of clay. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torch in their left hand and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood in his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to the place as far away as Bethshitah near Zerera, 
and to the border of the Abel Mahola near Tabith. Alright, now this is a great story. I love those times, and we see many in the Old Testament, that God steps in and wins a battle in very unconventional means. Some of the more famous ones are Joshua defeating Jericho by simply marching around the city and blowing a horn. David basically defeats the Philistines with a single stone. There are many examples, but way beyond the scope of this message to, to pursue right now. But I have to say that this one of Gideon defeating the Midianites ranks right up there with the best of them. Let's break down what Gideon and his 300 men did. First, they surrounded the enemy camp. By doing this, it would give the enemy the impression that they were surrounded with no place to run. Now, we will see that by surrounding the enemy, Gideon and his men were able to make much more noise in the enemy camp than they would have if they had all simply blown their horns from one location. If we're going to make a difference in whatever realm God has called us to make a difference in, then we need to do exactly what Gideon did. We need to surround that which we are trying to be victorious over to make a difference. All too often, Christians jump on soapboxes or, or they join a cause. We are great at being narrowly focused and, and think we're going to make a difference by doing this one thing, one way. It doesn't matter what it is. For some, it's, it's abortion. For some, it's same-sex marriage or even the entire LGBT community. For some, it's the right to bear arms. For some, it's keeping refugees out of, out of our country. And, oh, do we want to go to battle on some of those things. And in so doing, so many go on an all-out frontal attack. We yell things like murderer to women entering abortion clinics. We condemn the LGBT community, telling them they are sinners and going to hell. I've even heard some Christians threaten to shoot any government official who tries to take away their guns. We all but come out and say that all Muslims should be feared and that my personal safety is more important than eternal souls. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, we are losing the battle when we fight an all-out frontal attack. The world sees Christianity, as I've said before, as a group of bigoted, homophobic, right-wing, scared-to-death people. No wonder we're losing the battle for the soul of this country. However, if we would not pull all of our efforts into a single frontal attack, I believe that we will begin to see the tides of the battle shift. Instead of only attacking with judgment and condemnation, which the world translates into hate, we should divide our energy in much the same way that Gideon did. Just as he divided his 300 men into three groups to surround the enemy, if we would divide and balance our energy into three equal parts, then we will begin to make a difference in any cause that we might feel strongly about. Uh, yeah, for those of you who love the statement that we should speak the truth in love, we should not be afraid of standing for the truth. In fact, we really will not make an eternal difference in people's lives if we ignore the truth, if we ignore the sin. There should never be any doubt in anyone's mind what you believe. 
Truth should be one of our three legs that we stand on. However, so many times, those who love to say that we need to always speak the truth in love really do neglect the second leg that we should stand on if we're going to make a difference. Love. I've heard it said way too many times by those who stand on and on only this leg of truth that they would not be showing love if they didn't tell the truth. So they show love by telling the truth. But we all know that someone hearing the truth coming from the mouth of condemnation does not feel or experience love. You know, that was pretty good. Let me say that one again. Someone hearing the truth coming from the mouth of condemnation does not feel or experience love. If we're going to make a difference in people's lives, then they must know that we love them. I mean, that's where this whole ministry, this whole podcast is based on. Love first. Yes, they need to know what we believe as to what the truth is, but they must always know that we see them as a person, not as a sinner, but as a person. They must see and feel love first. And the third way that uh, we must have a place that we must have in place here is uh, that's a guidance towards forgiveness and reconciliation. If all we do is tell the truth, or all we do is show them love, and we never lead, lead them towards reconciliation with God, then we are not making a difference in their lives. So the first thing that we can learn from Gideon's battle is to surround the enemy. Surround them in three ways. Love, truth, and reconciliation. In that order. They will not accept truth from us if they don't feel love first. And there can be no reconciliation without truth. Okay, the second thing we see Gideon's men doing to gain the victory is to shine their light. All three groups had their attention and focus on Gideon, and when he gave them the signal, they broke the pictures that were covering the light and let their light shine surrounding the enemy camp. And that is exactly what we all need to do to make a difference in our world. We must shine. Whatever the picture that we have that is covering our light, we need to break it. I don't know what your picture is. Some of you might be, it might be your reputation at work or, or perhaps at school. You are worried about what others will think of you if you begin to let Christ shine in your life. Maybe your picture is your own pride or, or maybe it's fear. Maybe you battle with a fear of rejection. Hey, I can relate to that one. But whatever your picture is, you must, you have to, Allow it to be broken so that your light can shine to your world. And then you can start making a difference. Next, we see Gideon's men blowing their trumpets and shouting. They surrounded the enemy. They broke their pitchers to let the light out. And they blew their trumpets and shouted. In other words, difference makers can't remain silent. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a public speaker or you have to uh, teach any kind of class, but hey, you've got to say something. You have to use words. 
Now, the great thing is that in today's day and age, there are lots of ways you can use words without having to speak in front of people. I mean, you can pray for people. Make sure you let them know you are praying for them. That's always a great encouragement. I know for me, when God directs me to pray for someone, I write out my prayers and I text it to them. It focuses my prayers and it encourages them. Now, you can text people words of encouragement and exhortations as a way to make a difference in their lives. You can write blogs. Those are all things you can do without speaking. But you are using words and you are making a figurative noise to make a difference. And those are just a few ideas. So Gideon's men blew trumpets. Maybe you can make a difference maker by playing an instrument or using some form of technology. As long as what you are doing is ministering to other people, you are making a difference. So as we close this three-week series on becoming a difference maker, I want to urge each of you to pray about how you can be a difference maker in your world. I know at the time that I'm recording this, this world is basically shut down due to the coronavirus. What a great time to try to make a difference in people's lives. You see, we can't depend right now on the pastors of churches to do it all. We aren't even meeting in churches right now. So now is a time to be the church. For each one of us to be the church to those people in our lives. Step out of your comfort zone. Step away from your worry and your fear and your focus on self-protection and start trying to minister to other people. Use your creativity here. I know some people have gone to recording videos of encouragement and posting them all over social media. Others have reached out via phone calls or text messages to keep in contact with people to help encourage them. Some are writing blogs. There's no limit to what you can do right now in a world that so needs you to make a difference. So let me encourage you. Go out and be the church. And as you do, may God surround you with his love and fill you with his grace so that you can demonstrate a life of love first. Hi, this is Steve Bittison. If you enjoyed this podcast or if God blessed you or taught you anything in it, I hope that you will subscribe to the Love First podcast and share it with your friends. That way you won't miss any of the upcoming teachings and messages and maybe you will help be a blessing to someone else.